Welcome to the Property Management Show, a podcast brought to you by Four and Half Marketing Agency for Property Managers. Today, we are joined by Chris Rivenberg, a licensed attorney and expert consultant on website accessibility. There's a lot of misinformation out there on what it takes to make a website accessible. And so Chris is here today to bring some clarity on such a messy and complicated subject. Thank you for joining us, Chris. We're very excited to have you. Um, so the topic of today, um, and like I said a couple minutes ago, it's like a super buzzworthy topic right now, um, is web- website accessibility. Um, and we're going to kind of pick your brain on that a little bit in a few minutes. But we were hoping before we dive in, could you just give us some insight into who you are, what your experience is with website accessibility, um, and then we can go from there. Well, um, my, the primary background would be I'm an attorney, and so uh, the way I got into website accessibility is, I don't know how exactly I came across it, but I, was, I saw one day that people were getting sued for website accessibility, and then I started researching it, and it was really brand new. Like people, this, this had not really been encountered before, um, a little bit, but not to the extent that it was happening. The lawsuits started coming in more and more. And so I just started looking into it and uh, really the, what was being written about it was very vague and ambiguous and it wasn't helpful to someone who wanted to approach it and, and stop a lawsuit before it ever happened. So what I started doing was I researched a lot and then I just started writing because I knew people needed someone to meld, meld both the legal and technical worlds ASAP because these lawsuits were coming in and they weren't stopping. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's how we found you. Marie stumbled upon your awesome blog post online. That's like from three weeks ago or something, um, which was super helpful for us as we're trying to um, just better educate ourselves too, because we build websites for property management companies. And we absolutely want to make sure that when we're building a website for one of our clients, and especially our website itself covers all of the baselines, not only to be, covered from a legal aspect, but to also make sure that anybody visiting the website can get the information they need. Um, so we're really excited that we were able to do this with you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And so, um, you know, let's start from a high level. Can you give our um, audience the definition of website accessibility in its true form? Well, the way I think about it is with website accessibility, you're making your website flexible enough so that everyone can access the content and engage with the website, engage with the functions. Um, so I think that I, I do think that that's the best way to look at it because um, websites can be rigid if you don't um, provide alternatives or structure the code in such a way that it uh, it enables persons with disabilities and different degrees of disabilities. Um, to to access the content and engage with the website. Can I ask you what um, what are some examples of common um, accessibility issues, just from a very high level, that you see that most people wouldn't necessarily think would be issues? Well, I don't know if they if people let's see. Well, the the, the one the one that everyone starts with is. Uh, having an alt text uh, in the alt attribute. So if you have an image on your website and you don't provide an alt text value for that image, 
then someone who is using a screen reader is not going to be able to know what that image is. Therefore, that image is inaccessible. Um, what you might not think about would be form fields. So if form fields aren't labeled correctly, then again, someone using a screen reader won't know what those form fields are asking for. So it's just like you're presenting them with an edit text field and they have no idea what text you're asking for. Fill in the blank. Yes. Just exactly. go crazy, put anything. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I wonder, um, even with the form fills you have, oftentimes you'll see like the field above the form or you'll see placeholder text inside of the box. I'm curious if the screen readers pick up the placeholder text or just the, the copy above the field. That would be something interesting to look at. They usually do pick up the placeholder text, but the placeholder text can be problematic, especially you, if you use that as the label because it disappears as soon as you start typing into the form field. Yeah. So you've got to be careful to assign programmatic labels, not just like a, not just like a name, email, address by the form field, but actually programmatically uh, coding that in. That's really good to know. You know, the, the main reason why there's a big surge in website accessibility lawsuits within the property management industry, within the real estate industry is because there's like this other layer of like accessibility issues, right? Because we have um, fair housing that um, is something that the housing industry has to um, kind of adhere to, it has to follow. And so even though the ADA, you know, Americans with Disabilities Act was a civil rights law that was written, you know, uh, a year before even the first website went live, right? Um, it was primarily intended to address like physical um, places of access. And now it's being used sort of to, um, to websites that are technically not physical, but, um, you know, I've, I've read a lot of- High um, traffic places still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've read a lot of um, information online and the lines are like blurring because of how the world has changed since this was written. Can you speak to, um, to that and, you know, just give our audience members a better idea, like, you know, why is it now being applied to websites? Um, and like, what does that mean? The way to, the way to distinguish the ADA and the FHA and what's happening, how website accessibility has come into play is it starts with the ADA and with the ADA, Places of public accommodation under Title III, that's the, that's the relevant uh, title here. Um, you'll see different titles in the ADA, but we wanna focus on Title III because that's where public entities come into play and uh, our private entities come into play. And where we think of Title III, we think of places of public accommodation. We think of traditionally when the ADA was crafted, it was hotels, restaurants, gyms, schools, etc. cetera. Um, but, what happened what's happened now is that websites sometimes the courts are split sometimes websites are seen as separate and that it requires a nexus with a with a physical place and then other times it's just the website alone standing alone can be seen as that place of public accommodation what's happened is the courts are liberally construing the ada to include websites because they recognize that websites have become an integral part of our, our daily lives um, but if we were to technically go back and look at the uh, look at the law, there's nothing in there that talks about websites. So um, this has definitely been 
I, I wrote in one of my articles, like an extension of air. It's just like, we feel like this is the right thing to do. And then practically speaking, because these lawsuits are coming through, you don't want to find yourself arguing on uh, the technicalities of the law in court because practically you've already lost if you receive a demand letter. Um, with the FHA, I think there's actually more of an argument to include websites because of the word advertisements. So the FHA says you need to, uh, it's, it's another anti-discrimination law and includes many, many things, not just disabilities, but it does include disabilities and it says that everything needs to be accessible, including advertisements. There, there can be no discrimination in your advertising. So with advertisements, come in, uh, lawsuit, uh, websites come into play and then that's where, that's where you can make an argument that a website is an advertisement for a property um, and, and that's where uh, the FHA comes into play. And then any aspect of your website is kind of up for grabs because it doesn't matter. Um, in that situation, it doesn't really matter where somebody ends up or where, how somebody navigates to the website. Um, like for example, if you um, have a video on your website intended for a specific purpose, um, not for the purpose of advertising, but somebody still ends up on that page and um, isn't able to access it for whatever reason because it's not set up the proper way, that could still get you into trouble. Well, there, there's, another, there's another thing at play here, and that's that um, these lawsuits, I would say at least 98% of them, they're by serial litigants. So they're by law firms that are filing these lawsuits, not because somebody genuinely went to the website and genuinely was um, uh, had, could not access the website or could not access the content. Um, it was because someone is testing the website or they've got their plaintiff and they're, and they're just making their, their same claims over and over again once they find um, something that maybe an automated scan catches or something that they've specific, they're specifically targeting. So that's the, that's the play here, right? Is that this isn't all about like actual accessibility and someone actually being prohibited um, or, or stopped from accessing content or engaging with the functions. It's more just like we've got you because we found this and this is why it could technically be inaccessible. Yeah, and that's a really good point to make. It's, so, it's such an interesting concept and we, we have been talking about that internally recently as well. Um, so really the goal, is the goal of that then preventative or is it really just to win, win a lawsuit or try, um, try to get more awareness? Like what is, what is the goal of the people that are scanning the websites looking for those, those inconsistencies? Well, there are some actual advocates out there, okay? So I don't want to, I don't want to um, lump everybody into the serial lawsuit category, but m for the most part, that is where these lawsuits and the demand letters belong, gotcha. because they're going out in mass. Um, but there are some actual advocates um, who are just, they, they're, um, they're, they're trying to advocate for dis uh, persons with disabilities and they want everything to be accessible. Um, so there is that that part of it, but most, for the most part, it's just a, a money grab. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, and so when you um, started talking about um, these, you call them serial um, litigators, right? Or 
what was the term you used? Serial litigants. 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 Um, so can you can you share with our audience kind of like um, why? Okay, so if they're just going out there and um, filing, you know, demand letters and such, like do they really have any teeth in it if there, there's no like actual disabled person who was harmed or was prevented from doing an action that is necessary for him or her like why why does that have any teeth then well because it costs money to defend and and they could if they're called on it they can technically point to a part in their website where for whatever whatever they've decided to single out as as where how your website is inaccessible, they can do so. Um, so that's part of it. But is that the cost of defending these things is is so expensive? And what will happen is you will be offered a settlement that is somewhat a little bit less than the cost of actually going forward, and then you save the time. And so what most uh, businesses, companies, entities end up doing is settling. Yeah, it's really sad. You know, it, they're basically taking advantage of businesses who don't have um, the deep pockets to actually afford to prove in court that they're not outright discriminating. Um, and they're just banking on the fact that like, hey, if we like, undercut what they're going to spend on legal fees we win and so they feel like it's a win-win for them um and the smaller businesses just feel like i literally have no choice because it's like a it's almost like a lost cause right as soon as you get the demand letter which is really sad um that's 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 exactly right there's an asymmetry in what's happening because when they when they send these demand letters or if they even go ahead and pay that filing fee and, and file the lawsuit um, there's really not too much that they're going to lose. They might lose the filing fee, um, but there's no sanctions coming their way. I mean, for them to be sanctioned, they really have to, really have to abuse the system. Um, and, uh, but for someone who's a small business owner, as soon as they get that, it's, it's an immediate loss. They like already, you're worried about what's going to happen. You've got that looming over your head. Um, to hire an attorney is going to be at least a few thousand dollars. And, to settle, you know, you're looking in the mid four figures range just to just on your attorney's fees. To, to, to settle with them, it just depends who you are and how much they want to push it and how much they think they can extract. Um, so it really is an asymmetric thing where uh, anybody who receives these demand letters is is losing. And and I what I've been um, a proponent of is not. Uh, I am a proponent of accessibility. I think everybody should make their websites accessible, even if, even though the law hasn't come through. And that's really who's at fault here is um, the various governing bodies and, and not putting forth uh, clarity and, and giving everybody those uh, I know, guidelines to follow. But even withstanding, that withstanding, let's, I think we need to focus on, let's put money towards accessibility. And not we don't we the, the people that we need to leave out of this equation are the plaintiffs law firms. That's what needs to happen, and that's what I'm continually trying to move towards. Is let's just let's prevent these lawsuits, these demand letters before they ever happen, and let's leave out the plaintiffs law firms because that's who doesn't need to to receive any any money. Yeah, and so um, 
given that we're kind of like going into like the technicalities of, um, you know, what you can get found for, right? And um, what could get you a demand letter potentially. Um, can you maybe share with our audience um, definitions of common jargon that gets thrown out there um, within the topic? So, um, you know, ADA compliance is like what everyone calls this. When in fact, as you and I have talked about, it's like this, the tip of the iceberg, really. Um, and then, you know, there's there's a lot of confusion as to who's regulating what and what should actually be followed? Okay, um, so anytime you hear the word compliance, that's invoking the law. So you're thinking about complying with different, um, uh, different regulations, different statutes. So with ADA compliance, you're trying to comply with the Americans with Disabilities Act. And, and there you're looking for uh, effective communication of your website. You're looking for full and equal access, use and enjoyment. That's what, would co that's what complies with the ADA. Now, what does that exactly mean? That's where um, we look to what the courts have been referencing as far as what makes a website accessible. And so when you talk about WCAG, that stands for the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. Those are a set of technical standards that come up that come that have come from the uh, World Wide Web Consortium, the W3C. Um, they have an, an initiative called uh, the WAI, the Web Accessibility Initiative, and that initiative has put forth WCAG 2.0 and 2.1, and those are different versions of just web accessibility uh, technical guidelines. So, with those guidelines. 2.0 has been what is com uh, commonly referenced by the courts. So it's uh, with 2.0, think of it as there are 38 different bullet points under uh, level AA conformance, and you want to try to conform with those bullet points. And then with 2.1, it's like the updated version of 2.0. It's It doesn't undo 2.0 but everything in 2.0 get is inside 2.1, and then they added 12 more bullet points under level AA um, conformance. So when you, think of, when you think of WCAG, think of it as a reference to what courts look to um, when deciding if your website is accessible. So if we are in this theoretical world where we went ahead and we went forward with our lawsuit and we defended against it, um, if you are, in conformance with those bullet points, you're going to be in really good shape because otherwise there's really nowhere else to look. Now it's not necessarily that those are the law, but if you're trying to, um, I mean, you're trying to do a few things, but when you're lowering your risk of a lawsuit, if you are in conformance with those bullet points, especially the more important ones, then you're going to be in really good shape. Um, did you have, was there something else that you asked in that? Um. I, I was asking to like ADA compliance, um, and I think you you kind of addressed that the word compliance, that's what it means. But um, specifically, since everyone's using the term ADA compliance, and you're saying that like compliance gives this denotion that we're, you're trying to follow like a law, but the ADA doesn't really have laws surrounding websites, and then people are pointing to this other set of regulations that's technically not even in the ADA. Um, so kind of like it's all muddled up in people's brains. And so I wanted to have you, the expert, kind of clarify that for our audience. Which it sounds well, like you do have to have a hybrid 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just think of it. Think of it as this: the, everything starts with the ADA. That's what um, ADA is an anti-discrimination uh, statute against um, against persons with disabilities, right? So you can't. We all know that you can't discriminate against persons with disabilities. Think of the ADA as that. Now, with that, with those lawsuits, have come other lawsuits that are similar. They're about website accessibility, but you're thinking of, for example, the, the Federal Fair Housing Act. Um, with that act, um, you're also looking for website accessibility because, again, you don't want to discriminate against a lot of groups, but that which includes uh, persons with disabilities. So that's the legal side. There are also parallel state anti-discrimination laws that include disabilities. So again, you can find yourself at the wrong end of a web accessibility lawsuit under those various state uh, those state laws, which are basically they're just like the ADA, but they're for the state. And then um, and then you've got WCAG. WCAG is what you look to when you're trying to prevent those lawsuits. That's what you look to when you're trying to make your website accessible. So, so many layers, right? Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, it's less accessibility and um, these, these um, syndicates, I like to think of them, that just go out there and look for websites to sue, they're, you know, they're, it's sad that they're not really looking out for people with disabilities to have their access. They just want to catch you in a technicality, right? And then their, their weapons are like, the, the weapon that they're using is this lack of clarity around the law when it comes to, um, you know, what does it truly mean to make your website accessible? And so both the fair housing and um, in some cases, like people who, like judges who interpret ADA point to this third party, right? The WCAG for guidance. So, um, so yeah, that's really helpful. And so you mentioned that um, these guidelines that uh, that people point to with regard to, okay, the law doesn't really say what I have to do, but there's this set of guidelines by a completely third party entity that we can point to. You said that there are some parts that are more important than others. Um, and so can you speak to those like from a high level? Well, and when I say more important, um, there are some essentials that really act as barriers, but there is also, practically speaking, you want to prevent this lawsuit. And so you want to look out for things that can be found in automated scans because automated scans, while plaintiff's lawyers are moving away from them, they're not, you know, they're getting more sophisticated in how they approach these. Um, they still do use the automated scans and they still will look for certain things that are easy to catch. Um, so alt text is going to be the big one. And so with alt text, um, it actually starts with what's called an alt attribute. Um, you, the alt text is the value for that alt attribute. And uh, you don't always need to have alt text filled in. Uh, for non-decorative images, you would leave that, or, or, or for decorative images, that which really isn't important, uh, you will leave the alt attribute empty. Um, but if not, you will add, if, 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 there's a, if it's a meaningful image, you will add alt text. Um, so that's a really, really important way. I, one, I think alt, um, alt text is the gateway. Uh, it's a gateway claim because once they've got, uh, 
they've got you with images on your website where there's no uh, alt text values then uh, or alt attribute values um, then they'll use that to uh, move into other things uh, it's really important that your website is able to be navigated with a keyboard only so you want to be able to unplug your mouse and shift tab um, uh, shift all through your website use down arrows and you should be able to access every single uh, part of your website every element without having to um, uh, Without having to use a mouse, so if you get if there's a, there's something also called a keyboard trap. If you get stuck anywhere on your website, that's also a big deal. Um, so keyboard navigability is huge. Um, you want to uh, the the form fields having programmatic labels assigned is a really really big deal. Um, you want to make sure that you have headings and your headings are in order. Um, you want to make sure that you have adequate color contrast. That's a big one. It's also easy to spot. Um, so there's a number of things. You want to make sure you have a skip navigation bar. Um, you want to make sure every, um, everything uh, that is interactive, any interactive elements on your website, so links, controls, buttons, anything you can select, that all receives focus and has a focus indicator. Um, those are slideshows. Slideshows are actually you can make those accessible according to WCAG, but actually it's best practice just to leave slideshows out. Any carousels, any slideshows. I know people love them because they think it um, it allows you to put more content on your homepage, and you also have the marketing aspect of it where everybody wants their project or whatever to be seen. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I'm just telling you for accessibility, they're horrible. And it's just, um, it's, it's, it's a mess and you, it's, it's just best to leave them out. So it's almost like simpler, just like the simpler, the better. Um, and I think I even read that in your blog post, um, that it's kind of like start from basic and work up from there so that you make sure everything is as accessible as possible as you build it out. I, and especially when you're, when you're looking to prevent that lawsuit, like, I think it's best to simplify your website and just decide what are things that you don't need because also where a lot of problems come into play is third-party widgets or third-party scripts. Yes. Um, you have those in. Um, people don't assign ARIA labels to them. They're not navigable because you've got you've to now vet your vendors and what you're integrating into your website because, you know, maybe that social feed widget isn't accessible. Um, and there's definitely some gray areas, and I don't want to um, don't want to paint this as an easy task. It's not. Website accessibility is a process, and that's why it's important, especially when you're just starting. Like if you're not sure, if or maybe something doesn't even make a difference. Maybe you put something on your website, and like people don't even click on it, or they don't go there. I would just take it off, um, and then decide as you go um, putting back. Um, uh, remediating your website and making it accessible. Do I really want this? Is this accessible? If it's not, how do I make it accessible? Um, but for 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 what I advocate or what I what I try to um, advise people on right away is first, let's prevent the lawsuit so we don't have unnecessary money going out. You need to make your website accessible anyway, so let's put all the money towards that. But first, prevent the lawsuit. Um, I had I have a question before we kind of keep going. This just like goes back for a second. You mentioned um, meaningful images versus um, design image decorative decorative images. 
So I feel like that could be such a great area too, because it's like something could seem decorative to me, but meaningful to somebody else. So how do you even draw the line there? Uh, there's a lot there's a lot of subjectivity there's a lot of subjectivity in even assigning assigning an alt text value because when when we look at an image it, it's like well, what does it mean what does it mean to us what does it mean in the context of the content we have surrounding it um is it redundant with some other words that we have on there so there's a lot of subjectivity involved um so i wouldn't i wouldn't uh get caught up in the subjectivity I'll, I'll, of course, you want to make sure that everything is presented well and that you put a good faith effort. But I think that good faith effort will carry you a long, long way. Mm -hmm. And but we can argue over, um, you know, whether something is meaningful or not. Um, it's just it's really um, up to your best discretion. Does this add to the content? Is this something that someone goes to my website and they draw meaning from it? If it's not, then you might want to leave it as just an empty alt attribute. Um, I just, for the sake of uh, lowering risk, I tend to uh, add alt text more often than not. I just err on the side of, yeah. you know what, I'm going to put an alt text value in that image. Um, but that's hurt. not to say. Yeah, that? and that, well, that was kind of my next if, question. Does it, is, is there a point where you have too much where somebody that's auditing the website can say, oh, this isn't accessible because there's too much stuff there to, to weed through? Well, it wouldn't be not accessible. It would just be a pain in the ass for someone using a screen reader. Okay. Uh, and that's what actually, <laughs> I saw someone virtue signaling on LinkedIn the other day. They were like, um, we don't get enough characters to assign alt text. I want to make sure to have rich alt text descriptions to my images. And it's like, you also don't want to get carried away because think of it, think of this um, from the point of view of a screen reader user. If I'm using a screen reader and you've got a, you know, let's say 200 words of all, or, or whatever it is, 200 words of alt text on an image, I'm just trying to get through the, the right. website. Right. And well, it's like the same thing people don't like reading anymore. I'm sure people don't like listening either. Just give me the information I need or whatever avenue you use to get the information. But yeah, that totally makes sense. It's like short and concise to the point. Yeah. Short and concise and descriptive. What is it? What does it convey? Yeah. That kind of thing. And you're not going to, you're not going to get a lawsuit because, uh, you know, it would be, they would be really, um, splitting hairs if it was like well your alt text didn't seem exactly right that's not that's not what's happening here what's happening here is like someone has an image and they don't have an alt attribute altogether so for every image you start with an alt attribute if it's not meaningful then leave that itch attribute empty if it is meaningful add alt text i have a question that i just thought of too um and then we can move on um I feel like I'm always asking the random questions. But so we talked about the um, the website scanners a couple minutes ago, or whatever tools um, these. What did you, what did you call them? I wrote it down, and we asked you again. Um, the it's litigants, serial litigants. That's what it Plain, was. Plaintiffs' lawyers. Plaintiffs' lawyers. Okay. Yeah. Um, the scanners that they're using. Do, have you seen, or is there a point where somebody um, uses a scanner? And they're like, okay, well, 80% of this looks good, so let's skip this person and go on to the next person. Um, it, and just like scan, continue scanning through websites until you see people with more issues. 
than like a certain amount. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, I think they will, they're not, lo they're looking for a, a, an easier case. I think, I don't think they're wanting to like, oh, you've got one color contrast error in your footer. Right. Let me, let me get you. Um, I don't think that, I think it's, they're looking for more obvious um, inaccessibility, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't talked to one of them. I don't know what they're, what they're. Right. You don't know the methodology <laughs> behind it, right, the formula. I'll say this. It, it it's, um, it's just like you, like as, as a plaintiff's lawyer, you would rather things be open and shut. You don't want this to be like, well, is that even like anything? Like you want it to be obvious. Like, well, that's what typically happens, right? You start with one big thing and then you start piling on other things to make uh, the defendant look worse. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense. And that just the reason I ask, and I, I think that Marie will probably mention this um, in a little bit because it's something that we've been talking about. Um, but there's just, it's, and I think she even said this before, it's like you can do everything and get to 100%, but you're not going to stay there. And one of the things that we see a lot of times is um, our website developers, we do our best to follow follow the guidelines that we're aware of and we're always educating ourselves to try to make it better. But we do have clients that will make changes to their websites themselves. And it's like, if you have different cooks in the kitchen, you're going to be opening yourself to some risk I see. Um, so I think just the idea that as long as you're, and not that this protects you, but just the idea that if you're making an effort and trying to be proactive about it, that that will probably get you um, a lot further than most. Um. So one thing about that is it depends what you're changing on your website. Now, if this is mostly uploading content, then you can train yourself to upload content excessively. It's not, it's more of a manual effort than it is a technical knowledge at that point. Yeah. Now, if you're, if you're constantly reinventing your website, then yes, you need to constantly be checking for accessibility. Um, but it, it just depends. Are you integrating? Like if somebody's posting a blog, that's not going to be a huge issue that backpedals you like. No. Yeah, and that's good just, to know. Yeah, then you need to be aware of uh, the content alternatives and what you need to do with content. Uh, you need to be aware of headings. You need to be aware of ambiguous link text. Um, you need to be aware of the images you upload. You need to be aware of video and audio files that you upload. Those would be the main things you need to look at there. And then any kind of, you know, any kind of embeds, you want to be careful with that. But um, I think one thing that's... Um, that said a lot is that you need to constantly, you know, website accessibility is this albatross that just never ends and like you're constantly yeah. doing stuff. It doesn't have to be. It depends what you're doing. Like if you're reinventing your website and redesigning it, then yeah. Like, and especially if you're changing that code, um, if you're constantly adding new dynamic elements, then yeah, like you are going to need to pay close attention there. But with, as far as new blog posts, that doesn't dramatically change things. Yeah. It's really when you start incorporating the new and shiny, um, especially like visual. Yeah, like the widget. Yeah, like it's like, hey, I want this widget added. I want this like new, exciting iframe. Right. Well, like people are all about pop-ups too. It's like a lot of people use the third-party widgets for pop-ups or um, banner ads or things like that. I feel like, and, and I know you said that already, but it's just like even me as somebody who looks at websites all the time, I feel like 
I'm just thinking more and more about different third party, fancy, shiny new things that people like to add to their websites that could potentially hurt them instead of help them. Those pop-ups are typically inaccessible. The ones that are the email captures, that would be something where you definitely want to look at. Like any type of, whenever you're adding like a plugin to WordPress, or like even if you have like one of those top notification bars, that's yeah. where you could immediately like just drop drop off a cliff there. And then remember that these wet, the, the, the plaintiffs, um, when they're filing these lawsuits, like it's just that could, it could be as simple as that. Like you upload a new notification bar, it, it has um, it has a link that says click here, or it has a form field into your email address. There's no label, and right. you're done. and then you've got that demand letter coming. So just just keep it simple. You're um, you know have get an accessible um, email list subscribe uh, subscribe uh, field. And uh, work with that and don't worry so much. Don't focus so much on getting the pop-ups because they're annoying anyway. You yeah. really want to design for the user for everybody, not just persons with disabilities, but it's annoying as hell to be reading a, an article or a post and then all of a sudden, oh, subscribe to my list. Nobody ever subscribes to that anyway because you just bothered them. Yeah. So leave that kind of stuff out and, again, simplify. And then one other thing I wanted to say on the, the scanners or the checkers. Um, so. There's, there's automated tools that you can use to get an idea of your website's current accessibility. Um, they catch what they can automate, they can automatically flag, but um, they're not, they get you about a third of the way, they give you about a third of the way to having an idea of how accessible your website is, but you have to have a manual, someone manually look over your website to actually know um, how accessible or inaccessible it is or where the actual issues are those scans like for example the wave the wave scan the wave browser extension it's a tremendous tool it's an excellent tool and there, is, there are many others that are really good automated tools but all of the automated tool makers will tell you they only go so far so people really like to cling to those and rely on those and then say well I've I've looked at it and I've got zero errors or whatever. I've got my errors down to zero. Even getting your errors down to zero doesn't mean you've made that accessible. It just means you've passed the automated test. Right. So that's really, really important to know. Yeah. And so um, I have a question now that we're kind of on the topic of like this softwares or these like automated tools, right? So on one hand, we have a bunch of automatic tools that can scan your website and tell you, you have zero errors. You have no problems with like contrast. On the other side, there are new technologies popping up that claim to like instantly make your website accessible without you lifting a finger like, hey, right. just put this one code on my website and then you're good. Mm -hmm. um, I know you wrote a blog about this, um, but can you share with our audience sort of like, okay, well, why can't I just use one of those? Um, don't use them. That, that would be the first thing. <laughs> Do not use them. Uh, you're, if, if you use them, you're throwing out money out the window. First of all, there's so many things wrong with them. Think of them as this. Think of them as forcing someone. There's just like another version of a screen reader that someone already has. So they offer you the same options that screen readers do. Um, they're just they're the options that are being forced upon users. If you want to make this website accessible, um, I can't talk badly about them enough. Um, people waste money when they go for them. Um, they don't 
remember when I talked about making your website flexible enough so that everyone can use it? Yeah. What you're doing is you're putting an overlay on your website that enable that when someone activates it, um, they can um, and they can have different menu options uh, for accessibility and it like I think the optics of it make it look like it's a good thing, but it's really not. Um, it really doesn't do anything. There are so many. Um, there's a really good website called uh, OverlaysDon'tWork.com. It's by Carl Groves. And he goes a lot into a lot of the technical reasons why they fail. Um, I think legally also, uh, they would be wholly insufficient uh, because remember, the, what we're trying to do is make it so our websites can be accessed, not so that we have to activate this separate icon um, to supposedly make them accessible, which it doesn't. Um, and think about this. There are these automated scans, which I just told you about, which are really good. The automated scans can only reliably catch about a third of accessibility issues. And the, these automatic um, widgets, toolbars, overlays are claiming that they can instantly fix your website. It can't happen. There's it is no not way. possible. Don't, they, they, they claim that there's artificial intelligence. The artificial intelligence is not there. It's not going to be there for years. Um, it's not even close. And it's, they're ridiculous. Um, I can't say enough bad things about them. Don't pay them any money. Don't install it. And so let me just play devil's advocate here. So mm -hmm. in the essence of like, hey, but isn't it just like something that um, doesn't it have good attributes? Like um, wouldn't me, my website putting that on already show like the courts that I'm trying at least trying to make it accessible and make those um, plaintiffs lawyers just move on because like okay well it's not as low-hanging fruit as someone who is doing nothing let me just move on to someone who's doing nothing um, would you say that it's a it can act as a deterrent at the very least well the um Maybe if a point, because actually some plaintiff's lawyers use them. Um, oh. So maybe in that case, if there was a plaintiff's lawyers that used one, they wouldn't file against one. Um, the, the problem is, and, and it's good, it's a good devil's advocate, um, advocate argument. I actually have had clients push back on me with this because everybody wants them because they feel good. They're doing something. They've got an icon on their website. So I'm doing something. I'm, I'm progressing. Um, so in the sense that maybe you've got an icon, maybe there's something there, maybe there will be some plaintiff's law firms that don't, um, don't act upon them, but we already know that they're not, um, in 2020, um, there have been a lot, there's been some good research done. Uh, there's a company called uh, UsableNet that does research and, uh, and they, they've looked into this and the, law, the, the lawsuits are still coming in. Um, there's another ADA, attorney who's really good and his name is Richard Hunt and he wrote a blog post um, highlighting that these lawsuits are still coming in the um, uh, the widgets are not stopping anything so that's really the whole point of them right when you go for that easy accessibility route um, it's first of all it's not accessibility but second of all it doesn't even work for legal um, uh, reducing your risk so maybe there's something to be said for like maybe you know I don't I'm, I'm it would be totally, I'm just 10% reduction of risk. I don't know. But at the right. same time, it's still, you're still leaving yourself wide open. 
Like you're absolutely like you, like what happens is a lot of people install these widgets and they think they're good. They're like, well, on their website, they said that we're a hundred percent compliance within 24 hours. It's instant. They've got all these logos. They're social proof. Um, you yeah. know, they'll have something like a BMW logo, but then the <laughs> BMW will be like an Israel subsidiary or something like that. Uh, um, but they don't. Forbes best. Like, yeah, whatever. Just, yeah, no. It's interesting. And you said so you, a second ago, you brought back up the flexibility piece. And I want to make sure I understand because I might just be completely interpreting <laughs> this wrong. Um, so is it that with one of these softwares, because I have not seen one, I don't know anything about them. Um, it's, it's like you're slapping on something to your website that in theory makes you look like you're being more accessible. Um, but could it actually um, interfere with some software that somebody with a disability is using? Like, could it conflict with, is that what you're saying? So it might make it more accessible to some, but it could be more inaccessible if the softwares conflict or don't communicate together. Uh, it, it, can cause, it can cause problems. It can also override um, some settings. Uh, it can cause, actually, here's another thing that people aren't considering. There could be security issues with it because you're installing that code on your website and you're susceptible to their security. Um, uh, yes, it can it, it can conflict. Um, I mean, there's not. I don't think there's like there's a lot of harm with installing it. Like, just like if you really want that icon on there, you can have that icon. Um, if you want to, you know. But you can do that. more with the money that you have. Yeah, it, it's just. I mean, there's free ones too, so you don't have yeah. to pay for them. I mean, there's free ones, and they they have their different. Um, they have their slight differences. Some have more options than others. Some have a different way they present them. Um, one thing that I, I think legally why they are insufficient is because you have to know to activate them. So let's just say that someone doesn't know to activate them, doesn't want to activate them, because remember, not everybody with the, you know, there's different types of disabilities. Right. Um, and, and with website accessibility, we're not just accounting for those who are visually impaired. This, this is a wide range of disabilities and degrees of disabilities. So let's say someone doesn't notice it. Let's say someone doesn't want to use it. Then what do you have? Right. You have and that an makes, accessible website. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And that's kind of what I was, um, when I was thinking of conflicts, that's the perfect example of what I was trying to get to. So that's really good to know. It's like, it's there. If somebody knows to use it, that's great. But if they don't, then it's just pointless. I did read on one in one lawsuit that um, the lawyer, the plaintiff's lawyer, said that it actually didn't work. Like it didn't. Like it came up like sixty percent of the time. But there was also other times where it just didn't. Like there Do was anything. no widget available. So even even if we assume that it was the super widget that instantly made your website accessible it didn't actually show up some of the time. So maybe there's just a bug or maybe the browser is not accepting it or whatever yeah. the case. What if it's not there? Yeah, I, I, I think the, the key point to remember is installing that on your website isn't necessarily going to do like evil on your website. Yeah. But if you're installing it on your website as a proxy for actually making the website accessible, then you're in trouble because you're thinking of accessibility 
as a check mark that I, you, I just need to check that box that I did something. Um, but what you're doing is like your mind, if your mindset is like, Oh, I just need to like show off that I'm doing something. It, it like makes you, gives you this false sense of security. So if you, if you feel like, okay, I have this bigger, um, approach to making my website accessible. And I feel very strongly that adding that like, um, overlay on my website is one of the things I'm doing, then go ahead, but just know that that in itself is not sufficient. It's wholly insufficient. It's, um, you really need, it's a, it's website accessibility is a process. Now, one thing I'm trying to push is that it doesn't have to be, um, this big, ugly thing that, um, you know, it's just too hard to do and nobody can do it. It's, it's achievable. You just have to put in a concerted effort, um, and know what you're doing. It's not an, I don't think it has to be an endless cost, especially if you are like most people have stat or a lot of people have static websites that aren't constantly changing. So um, it doesn't have to be this ongoing enormous cost. Um, and, and so you really just have to address it. And then once you address it, then if you don't change anything, your website's going to remain accessible. And so what would you say um, about these like free online website audits that you know you see being offered um like hey i can audit your website for accessibility and here's like the pdf and most of these use those automatic tools anyway right um and their whole stick is like hey this is everything that's wrong with the website um hire me to fix them on your website um and then i know that you know if you don't already have a webmaster um, it's very easy for people to be like, oh, okay, you do it. But then I feel like people should be vetting these so-called professionals because they can actually do more harm than good. They might install malware on your website if you just give them access. But at the same time, just like getting a PDF and just like doing whatever is in there, I feel like people have to know what accessibility is about. So if they do get these audits, they kind of get an idea like what's in there and sort of like do a sanity check, right? Um, so what would you say um, people should keep in mind when they get these like audit reports from like either they implemented or I know that um, there have been some people just randomly getting them from random people who scrape their information from the internet. Like I feel like people should be wary, but like how do you protect yourself from being scammed by, yeah. Good question. Um, uh so with accessibility scans, you can do them yourself. If you're just really a non-technical person, yes, maybe someone can give you a report, but with these scans, uh, with the Wave browser extension tool, it takes maybe one or two minutes to install, and that's a really, really good one to just start with. Of course, there are other ones that are more technical and a little more difficult to use if you're not familiar with um, uh, how to inspect a website, but um, that's a really good one to use. It's really simple. It's clear. Um, and you can do that yourself. So that one is free. And if someone wants to give it to you for free, um, you could look at that as well. Um, you just have to, um, I think you just have to research who you're going with. Um, if you look at the web aim, webaim.org is a really good resource. Um, I recommend everybody look at that. And, and if you start going through that website and reading, you know, just uh, what they say to do and, and the best practices they recommend, 
you can see that this stuff isn't going to be for free. Nobody's going to put in that amount of work uh, for free. So webaim.org is a, is a really good organization. Um, the Pass Yellow Group is another really good organization that knows what they're doing. And when you, can, when you, look, at these, when you look at these agencies, when you look at these companies, you can instantly see, you start to see who is in this um, uh, legitimately and who is not. Um, there is, um, the Affiliates 2 is another one where I noticed um, there, was, there was another widget that came out, it was called Get ADA Comply. And I'll just say this, anything that offers you instant accessibility or anything that even come close, comes close to suggesting that this is what you do to comply with the ADA, you, you just have to look for someone who's genuine and someone who is actually going to put in the manual work necessary. Um, and, and that's what I would look for. And just don't like, this is the project. It's not a one day thing. It's not a two day thing. Um, maybe if you're lightning fast, it's a week thing, or if you have an easy website, it's a week thing, but usually it's going to take a few weeks. And so I would just start out, um, start out researching and not try to make this on the, put this on the fast track. If you want to put it on the fast track, take your website down first. That's how you put it on the fast track. Yeah, if you're like that paranoid mm -hmm. and you want to make sure absolutely like, oh, while I'm working on it, I don't want anyone to see my website and give me a demand letter. Just take it down, right? And take then you have down, to, yeah. Put it, take it down, forward your domain to your Facebook page uh, and, and do that. If you're not getting, if you don't have the SEO, if you're not in Google local maps, um, if you're not getting leads off your website, and right now we we all know that the FHA lawsuits are coming in fast, like really fast. Like that's one thing that I don't think a lot of people get because I get so much pushback on this. It's like people start arguing with me over what to do, and I'm like, hey, you asked me, and and they and and they're like, you know, I I don't want to get a lawsuit, but at the same time I don't want to like, you know, it's like I don't want to do work. this or that. Yeah, and I'm like. I'm like, well, look, these lawsuits are coming whether you like it or not. It's kind of like it's kind of like coronavirus. People think like, well, if I if I just think one thing, then I then nothing will happen to me. And it's like this is happening irrespective of you. So whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. So, but when people get the demand letters, then all of a sudden their tune changes. It's like, well, how do I undo this real fast? It's like, no, no, you have to be proactive with this. And once it comes, you still need to be proactive because here's another thing that people don't realize: you can be sued multiple times. So just because you don't, you get one demand letter doesn't mean you won't get another one from a completely different law firm. They might not be, I mean, yeah. it might be out of your state. So they're a real pain in the ass to deal with. And that's the thing with websites, right? Anyone from anywhere can see your website and then they, they can easily claim like, I am in a different state, but I have a client who is, you know, disabled and wanted to look for houses in your area. And so, bam. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's a really good point because right. These, when you get the loss, when you get the demand letter, you get the lawsuit, it's too late because we can, I can, we can go back and forth and argue who's technically right, but it really doesn't matter at that point. Right. Cause you already have to hire an attorney. You already have to address this lawsuit. You've lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so with regard to, like you said, right, like you have to put in like manual work to make your website accessible. If you're like that paranoid and you're not worried about your ranking because maybe you're, you're so new, your website doesn't rank, you're not getting any leads anyway. It's like no one's 
nothing's going to go wrong with my business if I take it down because I'm not getting anything out of my website, then maybe that's the course you take. But if you are already ranking, you are getting leads from your website, then you have to balance that with like, how much business am I truly going to lose if I take down that website just so I can, you know, redo the website. Um, but then on top of that, even after you've done all of that, right, you're feel, you feel like, oh, my website is completely compliant. Like, the guidelines we're talking about, they're guidelines. They're not law. They're prone to changes. They've, they've been, they're being updated too, right? So you have to make sure you're keeping up to date with the changes. So if there's like some new thing that comes out, like you know that um, you're, it's already taken care of or you're taking care of it uh, moving forward. So yeah. it's a messy, messy subject. For sure. Well, even and, and going back to like taking the website down, if it's not doing anything for you, Chris said something earlier that I thought was really great. It's like, start with the things that aren't doing anything for you. If you are so paranoid that you want to take stuff down from your website, it's like you can take down a page temporarily that isn't doing anything for you and just leave the bare minimum or simplify it. But um, I think my, my main takeaway is just like be proactive. It's your business. It's your livelihood. This is something that's happening. It's not something you can brush under the rug with uh, a widget or a free, free tool or something. Um, be but be proactive. And especially, especially um, in the real estate community, be aware. Um, because if you see, if your friend gets a lawsuit or if you're, you know, one of your colleagues that you know or someone on Facebook is telling you that they just got a lawsuit, that means you're coming up. Your, your website's coming up. So if, if that would raise my sense of urgency, if anything, I mean, not that it shouldn't already be high, but just be mindful that if it's happening to one of your friends or someone you know, that means it could have just as easily been you. So at that point, you may want to just take it down and, and go ahead and, and build it, wait to put it live until you have everything straight. Mm -hmm. I mean, some, some property management companies and landlords have to deal with court uh, enough already. So I don't think they want to have another reason to hire an attorney yeah. or, yeah. By the way, so um, since we're talking about like, you have to be proactive, you have to make sure that you have this conscious effort, right, to keep accessibility top of top priority who's res responsible like who's ultimately responsible for a website being accessible is it like the owner of the business is it the person hosting the website is it the developer who made it a year ago like um well website owner is always ultimately responsible now you can they might assign blame to different people but ultimately you are responsible for what you control, what you own. That's your responsibility. So if you're the website owner, you better make damn sure your website's accessible. And you, you might get mad and blame, you know, whoever else, developer, designer. But keep in mind, this is still relatively new and people are still just finding out about it. It's, I mean, it's not, it's been around now for a few years, but at the same time, there are people that still haven't heard about it. Um, so even your designers, even your developers, they might just be, you know, it's like, make me a website that looks nice and uh, has XYZ functions. They provide that to you. You're happy. Everything's good. Um, that might have been, that might have sufficed five years ago. But now with these lawsuits, um, 
you don't want to do just that. You also want to make um, your website accessible, and that's not to, that's not to in any way um, ignore um, disabled persons, but that's just the reality of the legal landscape that I'm portraying. Yeah. So ultimately, if you if it's your business, you own the website. Just pay attention. Pay pay attention, and and this and here's the other thing, though. I I want to make sure that um, people know that it's. There was nobody, nobody told this. This just happened. This is, this is something that's been coming up um, about for a while now. And, and people might say, well, you know, you should have seen these lawsuits coming or, you know, these lawsuits have been coming back from the early 2000s. Um, but they were, they were few and far between. And a lot of, a lot of uh, lawsuits were privately settled. I'm sure some were public, but this has just become somewhat mainstream in the last few years. And it hasn't become, you know, to where it's like people are knocking on your door, not just the big companies, not just Amazon, not just ESPN or CNN, but like we're talking the local companies now. Everybody's getting hit up. And so it's just, this is just starting to trickle down into this smaller, the more entrepreneurs like bloggers are being sued now. Um, so um, now it's more affecting everyone, but there's there, again, there is no law. There is no explicit law that mandates private entities must have accessible websites. Nowhere in the law can you find that. So that's why I think that you know, I mean, if I I, I really feel for small business owners um, because they didn't have any notice. There's no notice, and I think what needs to happen is it's actually the government and the regulators need to step up and they should it really is on them because nobody nobody's against accessibility it's really yeah. just nobody knew that they needed to make their websites accessible yeah do you see that something that's hopefully going to happen in the next year few years um well i i suspect that trump would need to be upended um if, if he's still in office i don't think you'll see anything from the doj um, eventually it's going to happen. I don't anticipate anything concrete coming for at least two years. Yeah. So, but you know, given that, now that we know that, you know, don't, don't wait for the law. Don't expect the law. Right. Don't expect anything of anybody else. Take this all upon yourself and make your website accessible. Even if it means you're watching YouTube videos and just figuring out things as you go along, you know, do the best you can as fast as you can. And that's all you can you know, really do. And I'm, I'm well aware that people um, are limited budgets and they can't afford. Um, there's definitely a gap in the marketplace because um, accessibility is something that um, it takes. There's a lot of knowledge involved in it. Um, so um, so it is expensive. It, it, it can be costly, but, you know, do what you can and um, and, and work from there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast, Chris. If any one of our listeners wants to reach out to you, where can they find you? Um, so I am the founder of accessible.org. Um, if you um, go on there and you subscribe to my newsletter, then I will send you out the WCAG 2.0 and then the 2.1 updates. And what I did was I, because WCAG is, um, if you read the language, if you actually go through it, it's voluminous. Um, it gets really jargon laden and um, it's just difficult to sift through. So what I did was I wrote two guides that are in plain English 
And I gave you my interpretation. I'm not saying it's there. I'm not saying it's official. I'm not saying it's exactly right. But having read through it, that's what I saw as the, um, the different success criteria. So I think that's a good place to start. That's free. Um, and then when you subscribe, I, I'm constantly trying to make this um, more efficient, more effective. And I want to make sure that as many lawsuits as possible never come to fruition. So I don't, I, I want there to be, I don't even want the demand letters to ever show. Um, so don't I'm constantly- to feed the beast. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I would rather um, uh, preempt them if, if at all possible. And so what I'm constantly doing is I'm just trying to think of different ways to make things easier uh, on people to make their website successful and get to the point. Um, I don't, I think there's way too much, um, uh, there's way too many collateral products and services that, for example, there's 24 seven monitoring. You don't need 24 seven monitoring. I mean, most websites will not need that. And even if you did, it wouldn't catch everything. Um, so there's a lot of extraneous stuff being sold and I, I want to make this more efficient and get to the point. So the point is to um, make things accessible and then at the same time, leave out the plaintiff's lawyers. If we can do that, that would be a beautiful thing. So one, uh, make things accessible for people across the world. And then two, uh, plaintiff's lawyers do not get any more money. Those, those are my two uh, objectives. Um, so accessible.org, uh, if you go there, um, you can contact me.